Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the overlap. We're, I think, approaching, is it part three? It's part three, right? Part three of the summer silly season. We've, uh, we've officially introduced and fully welcomed the shithousery that is all the international tournaments this summer. Um, I have slowly, I've slowly started to lose my mind, Rian, like just watching the, the Euro semifinals that was pure ecstasy on one side and just pure, I don't even want to call it devastation when it comes to like Italy, Belgium, just like confusion with that and then i've been watching a lot of copa recently as we approach the the semifinals which are starting tonight with brazil peru in uh in the first semifinal um you're doing double shifts man yeah i'm doing doing like two days i'm putting in you should see my notes on all these games (laughs) like i have them uh, so i bought an ipad actually i didn't buy an ipad i got an ipad luckily through work and i've been using that for like various notes and whatever but anyway long story short i've been inundated the soccer and it's been a wonderful wonderful experience summer so rian first off happy what is it how many years has the u.s been a country now we're approaching 200 oh, no 240 something we're like 240 something i don't know i just 45 on the does that sound right yeah it's like I around i think 245. 245 yeah yeah happy happy 245th birthday man it's uh all right. Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure that'll ever be directed at us, to be honest. But no, it, it will <laughs> but uh, everyone no, likes to hear yeah. "Happy Birthday," so you take it or leave it. It's up to you. That's true. That's true. I, I, again, again, not sure it's directed <laughs> at us. But uh, but no, um, I hope that's a, a way of asking how my weekend was. Of course so it, it is. Of course so it is. I want to, I want to know the details. Yeah. Can, before we even get into to anything football related and why um, one of these teams is definitely going to crush my hopes and dreams um, in the next couple of days. Yeah. Go for it. How was your weekend? My, my weekend was good, man. Um, very relaxing. Actually one of the more relaxing, I think July 4th weekends I can remember. So spent most of the day yesterday watching uh movies actually watched nice i never seen split before but i knew that it was like part of the uh well this is almost a spoiler but anyway <laughs> i watched un- i watched unbreakable split and glass which are all m night Shyamalan movies which are connected with each other so those are those are all um, great shots i was gonna say like they all yeah. are connected so it makes sense that you watch all of them yeah yeah but uh outside of that it was a it was a pretty relaxed one watch got to watch um the England game with with one of our guests that'll be coming on later. Got to watch that at an actual bar with a lot of English people, and that was quite an atmosphere. And um, and then did something similar the day before for the Spain for the Italy Belgium game. So it was a great weekend of uh, of that part of normality coming back for the city. I think like yeah. just going yeah. and watching at a soccer bar. And before we move on any further. We have to introduce our guest for today too. I, two guests, love, two guests, but the first two guests, two. yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> no, wait. <laughs> I love, I love you jumped in. No, it's it's our friend Miguel, who who's our resident Italy expert. Yeah, what's up? I uh, I was in Cabasay. I went to Penn with these two. Um, <laughs> talking to everyone right now <laughs> but yeah i'm part italian very big fan um 
needless to say, like I'm chuffed with how it's gone. Super ecstatic. Uh, definitely scared of Spain. Spain is a very good starting. Oh, well, not starting 11, starting 10. Uh, and then the 11th man is kind of shit, but every now and again, <laughs> it comes together. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyways, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. And uh, I look forward to talking more. Oh man, it's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, this is, I literally, I said this before we started recording um, to Miguel, but I'm very excited for this part of the podcast. Uh, Cause of course me being a, a massive Spain fan um, and, and him being a massive Italy fan, this can only, only go well. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, Rian, why don't we, why don't we talk about <clears throat> the one game that you and I got to watch kind of the tail end of together uh, at, at this bar that shower my name, <laughs> remain nameless apparently oh, um, we don't need to <laughs> we don't need to name no shameless shameless plug genuinely for banter bar in brooklyn um a wonderful wonderful spot um that just kind of has like a homey vibe i don't know i don't know how else to explain it other than like it felt like i could have been in a re- like nottingham like forest like supporters like it felt like everyone there was genuinely like a big fan of the team that was playing um either side so i don't know that's that's the vibe i get so not even a paid promotion, just genuine plug <laughs> for, for them. So yeah, Rian, we watched the only the kind of the, the PK shootout of uh what's it called the Spain Switzerland game, which arguably should not have gone to penalties if you're if you're looking at it from Spain's point of view. But that's kind of in the background now. Now let's let's focus on let's focus on Italy for a second. A, a clear tournament say. favorite ever since turkey just fell over against them i guess like just decided to willy-nilly collapse during that game um and they have gone on a tear so miguel where's your where's your head at with this team right now because it's hard to not get overhyped honestly well i think the first thing i'll address is the fact that for switzerland it definitely should not have gone to penalties uh they got like a red card that was i think like a premier league red card but maybe not like a international tournament red card uh so you know taking it to penalties was a little that was very fair play of them like who wants to see switzerland italy again who wants to see that semifinal? it already happened three nil like why would you no i want to see good soccer spain is a is a good team modest good team <laughs> three playmakers in midfield just tearing it up i think at all times Pedri Alcantara Coque, like at, at their respective domestic like at their respective clubs they are insane players the match goes through them uh, and then obviously like it falters off with Morata, but like somehow gets a lot of goals numerically because of the people I play behind him. But, <laughs> um, I would say in Italy, what we have going for us is I think a lot of passion, a lot of like determination. It's the first tournament that we've been like this competitive in a while. Um, Mancini is playing football that I don't think any previous international coach was brave enough to play is what I'll say. Like everyone else kind of locks the back, got style, very much like you know what I guess in the Premier League is like Mourinho ball. Like if they if they lose the ball, we fucking run forward. Like all of us. Like <laughs> fucking go and then come back immediately. <laughs> so this team is like playing with the ball way more. I think like the possession stats show this. I think some of the passing stats show some of like the the triangular play throughout the match. And that's like more Napoli than traditional Italy, is what I would say. Yeah, I think everything that we've talked about with this team has been like it's the least Italian team like we can remember like ever watching. Honestly, like they, they don't feel they don't feel like like we all saying classic Catanaccio kind of Italy, but 
I it's it's been hard for me to put it like to put a finger on like who has been the reason necessarily. I think obviously a lot of credit's gonna go to Mancini because like like I said, the spirit of the team, like he's gotta get a lot of credit for fostering that, of course. But from the player side, I we'll start with Elias here, then then Miguel, you can chime in, obviously. But Elias, I don't know, for you, who do you think is from this Italy squad, like who's impressed you the most? hands down my answer is Insigne like hands down I I don't like I don't think there's been genuinely a better player than Insigne this tournament and I think honestly what like his goal from against Belgium aside that was of course an incredible goal and I could watch on repeat over repeat over and over again but I think what he's done really really well is in kind of like the half spaces in the final third he's made himself really really available and against I think the sides that Italy have played and especially against a Belgian team that basically played a back five in defense like he found spaces in between the fullback and the right side center backs time and time again and being able to cut inside was just so simple for him like it it created a ton of space for Immobile to run off of like time and time again and it wasn't obviously Immobile knows how to make those runs he's an intelligent enough player will score goals like that's what he does but for me watching Insigne's play as relates to the rest of the team like in those half spaces and the channel was really like on the left hand side was really really impressed to me and I, I've loved I love watching that part of it I mean obviously people can talk about Chiesa you can talk about how you know well players like Bonucci and Chiellini have played but for me like Insigne was was by far a standout All right, Miguel. Yeah, I, I completely agree, honestly. I think, like, that was a good technical analysis of how we're playing, how we're attacking at the very least. Like, that's who the game goes through. So I think it's the first opportunity. He's 30. They they said that on the thing. They were like, oh, like, 30-year-old Insigne. And I'm like, wow, I thought he was, like, 26 for, like, the last seven years. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, no, the guy's kind of playing his own game right now. And he used to be, like, more of a super sub if he would even get minutes. And now it's like he starts the game goes through him. He, on his, on his, to the credit, I think I will say like, now I'm going to talk players, I guess. Insigne, I think is second to, I think in my opinion, well, forever, but Verratti, but Barella as well. Now that we have this midfield that all of them can hold the ball for comfortably 10 to 15 seconds getting pressed. I believe like in the first four touches of all those players and they're able to like give the ball to each other, give and go, give and go, give and go, Napoli ball, give and go. Immobile, in my opinion, lacking. Seriously. Does he make good runs? Sure. Cavani makes good runs. Cavani scores. Immobile scores for Lazio. I, I, I think it's maybe the Spain element and actually in Lazio. Sergei Milinkovic Savic, but Luis Alberto. They know how to play with Immobile. They give him like, you know, they run forward, give him space. But this is more of like a Napoli. I think we need like a big number nine. And I actually like Bellotti. I don't know if he'll score many goals, but he was what we say in Italian. I'm going to go switch to Italian. Attaccante operaio, which means like a work workhorse attacker. Is he technical? No. Is he Mbappe? Fuck no. But he runs forward at you with an aggression and a style. He'll kick shins. He'll get to the ball first. It's very, I think, gritty. Um, and it's kind of the characteristic side of what I'll say Italy is. And then obviously mentioning the midfield, some of the attack, I have to mention the defense. While we're not playing Catenaccio, I think it's still pretty defensive. Once we've scored like two goals, we're locking. We're good. We're good. If we score a third fucking bonus points, but like 
think 2-0 is a good enough score to defend, and Kellin and Bonucci are doing a tremendous job getting the headers on set pieces, like putting their bodies in front of the ball. It's just that's the style of defense we play. It's more, it's less like I'm gonna win this contrast, more like, yeah, come to me. And um, I, I think Don Naruma is the last player that gets like a huge shout. Cause I mean, we've had Buffon for what, like the last 20 years of my whole life, my whole life. <laughs> and all of a sudden the Donnarumma is like gonna carry it for the next hopefully 20 years. So it's fun to have this Gianluigi duo just taking over the goalkeeping. Yeah, I, I actually love that he brought up the Donnarumma because when we were watching this game at the bar, uh, I was with Elias and not maybe a couple minutes before that fantastic save he had in the second half. I can't remember who shot it from Belgium. I don't, I don't remember if it was um, Lukaku or not, but after that, fa- but five minutes before that fantastic save, we were talking about just Donnarumma in general and we we're talking about him versus Keller Navas at, at PSG and Elias was like, oh, I'm not really convinced about Donnarumma as a shot stopper. Like five, like I'm just a, <laughs> not, not even. It's a real deal. <laughs> not even like a couple of minutes before that save. So it was like just perfect timing. Let, let me let me that. specify that it was in relation to Kalo Navas, not necessarily as a shot stopper in general. I'll just before I I have to save some face, but continue. <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I love that I love that shot because. He hasn't had to do much in this tournament, right? And that was the first, I feel like that was the first big, big save he had to make um, in the tournament. And that and he handled it perfectly, perfectly well. One one thing that I want to add about Donnarumma and why my opinion and him like genuinely completely changed over the course of this tournament is that anticipation outside of like having good ball handling skills with your feet, like anticipation of a shot is the most important skill a goalkeeper can have. Like by far, like you cannot convince me that there's another skill that's more important than anticipating where a shot goes, especially from that range when you have to stretch like that. There are very few world-class goalkeepers that can do that. That's why I was like, oh my God, when he made that save, I was genuinely shocked because I had never seen something like that. So just Matt, yeah, massive shout out. That is a great call. Yeah, it's magnificent. I, I think just for me really quick, I'll say Jorginho. I, I, tr- trying to be no oh, bias. Uh, oh my god! No bias. Of all, of all no the players, bias. Of all no the bias. Okay. Jorginho, all right. Go ahead. Jorginho is. Uh, I looked this up before before we got on. Like third in terms of midfielders in this tournament in tackles plus interceptions, and he's fourth among um, all midfielders in, in during the Euros in terms of how many times he's been targeted for passes. Like everything is running through him, and that's why that's where I yeah. make what Miguel's saying about. Um, in, in CA, but but also about Jorginho in his sense that he's playing like he's back at Napoli, like the, everything is running through him again. He's like, like the yes, yeah, that's the player I forgot, honestly. Yeah, he's, I, I, like I have to give him the I have to give him the credit because so, Verratti's, um, Verratti's more like a destroyer player, right? He's just like interception, get a yellow card by the 60th minute. Like, if you don't do that, you failed. And then Jorginho is more like, no, no, I can hold possession for like a while. Like, but they both have good touches. Jorginho is more of like those incisive passes, like killing the triangle. I did forget his name. Fuck, there's, I mean, Kiesa, for God fucking sakes, guys. Mamma mia. Kiesa, Kiesa, now Missile. He puts it in the upper nine. The fucking guy has a rocket. I like, it's awesome. He plays for Juve, which sucks. But like, <laughs> Fiorentina, I could really watch the guy play. Uh, 
and he runs like it's just a good good batch of players fuck's sakes i mean we'll get to spain you know because they're not they're not they're not far behind and if they win scaramancia good tournament you know (laughs) (laughs) um so so before we get on to spain i'll just the two quick questions for for miguel here I, I guess one was gonna I was gonna say what makes this team different than than prior Italy squads, but but we've we've gone over that, right? But very quick, who comes in now for Spinazzolo? I know you and I talked about it a, a bit before we came on. I think I think uh, so. I was FaceTiming my friends in Rome and watching the game against Belgium. Which if we go if we get to talk about guys, Belgium is like you could say a lot of banter, like fuck the coach, you know, whatever. Roberto Martinez, like, <laughs> but. Yeah, they're a good fucking team, and they put—I think—they put a good game together, uh, and it's respectful because, like, what they were missing was, I think, like, well, no Eden Hazard, right? That's if you asked about the golden generation, I would say no, they haven't lost it yet because we didn't see Hazard. Hazard is a big part of the golden generation. So De Bruyne and Lukaku, sure, you can like muscle a team together with that, but I don't know. Uh, Thorgan, though, fire player. Anyways, what I was. <laughs> Well, I think what we're getting at was like, yeah, like how, um, who's coming in? Emerson, what, what did Spinazzola do? He ran at uh, Meunier, for example. I mean, <laughs> Meunier Spinazzola was not really a question of who was going to win that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, he, he was part of the triangle many times playing on that side with Insigne, playing on the side with Verratti would come forward. And Emerson is a player who I'd actually, you probably know him better than I do at this point. But at Roma, I liked him. I respect him a lot. So I won't say like, it's the worst thing that ever happened, but yeah, because Emerson fucks that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I, I was saying to Miguel, like, I think Emerson. If you're talking about a guy who's just gonna keep making those same runs as Spinazzola and who's gonna get into the box as much, like, he's gonna be willing to do all of that. So it, it, the problem with him has always been the when he has to defend against, <laughs> when he has to just defend one-on-one at all like I, I you know oh, nightmares yeah. of like Riyad Mahrez <laughs> slicing <laughs> him up multiple occasions um in the last couple of years but I, I think I think he can still give you if not 100% of what Spinazzola did but maybe what 75 80% and you're still that's still very good yeah I love the statistics here <laughs> we're we're a big fan of stats. If if you have not figured that out, Rihanna is is way better versed in it than I am. But I, I think honestly, all of those shouts are are pretty fair. Um, I'm very curious to see how Emerson does against Spain. Like I don't I don't actually have a genuine thought on Emerson so far. Like it sounds it sounds like one of the worst things you could say about a human being. Like I just have no opinion on you. But I genuinely just don't have an like I haven't watched him enough to formulate an opinion. Um, Honestly, same. Yeah, because he hasn't he just hasn't played enough for Chelsea for me. So it's like I I, I can't really judge that. Um, I'm 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 very curious to see how that that plays out. So yeah, but one last let's just one little moratorium for like we were talking about Belgium here for this golden generation like i i think uh, to say it's a failure would also be a bit too much here right like look at their their three tournaments that they really had together going back to 2014 they lost to france in the quarterfinals and that was i think they only lost like one nil or something like that and that and that was a really good french team of course as they made it ended up making it to the euro finals the next or two years later right and then 2016 that's probably the biggest disappointment for, for that's probably the I think that's the only tournament where they really um disappointed because they go out to Wales in the quarterfinals 
right? <laughs> and like how Robson Kanu, who was a free agent, like just <laughs> Cruyff turned in their box and scored. Like that was, I think, I think that was kind of special. But then, then like 2018, you know, they they lost to France. They lost to France in the semis. They beat Brazil before that, and, and then they they still won the third place match against against England. So I think even if like the worst case scenario you get out of like your golden generation is third place at the world cup. I think that's, I think that's still very, very good. And Croatia had a pretty good batch too, for fuck's sakes. That year was fun. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. I guess we never really, like we very much view international tournaments as black and white, right? You either win or you don't. And that's kind of like either we remember you, you don't. Right. But you kind of put it into like a pretty good perspective. Um, it, it does kind of make me think about like how insane, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but how insane this statistic around um, winning the Euros and then going out in the group stage of the World Cup are. Like in, in 98, right, France won the World Cup. 2002, they go out in the group stages. And then 2002, I, think, I forget who won 2002. Um, Brazil. Right? Brazil, I think. One, right? The Copa or like, yeah, and and then basically it's a reoccurring theme. Like Germany won twenty fourteen, right? And um, twenty eighteen they go on the group stages. Like it, yeah, just a weird coincidence. I don't know. (laughs) Just something to think about. International tournaments is that like they're black and white, as you said, and that's like for over two thousand two. That was bullshit. Korea (laughs) beating Spain and Italy, what? (laughs) They didn't have VAR, and they were calling offsides for every goal. And it was like, you don't have VAR, though. Like, you don't even know. It's not offsides. Literally. Bullshit. Bullshit tournament. Uh, <laughs> Asia kind of proved that they're not going to have a World Cup for a fucking while. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Qatar is part of Asia, for fuck's sakes. Money talks. <laughs> but, like, no, I don't know. That was 2006 for me was my favorite tournament. And for you, probably 2010 was electric, which. Yeah was 2006 for me was the best soccer in the world forever in my history (laughs) (laughs) no it's true it's true i mean that that's that's all i would say on on just international tournaments in general so to your point about belgium you know golden generation will they be able to win a trophy trophy probably not i mean realistically right what's next for them is the 2022 world cup and everyone's another year older i don't think that's going to be their their time to shine i will say I think that there are better teams right now that are in form like Italy that have a better chance of making a deeper run than any of the golden generations that I think we've seen right now or or in the past five years, right? Germany, Spain, even Brazil to a degree. I I don't know if even they're in the best position. So um, I'll, I'll leave it at that because I know we, we want to move on to, to Spain and Switzerland and then eventually obviously Spain and Italy, um so Rian, take it away. Uh this uh the Spain Switzerland game. <laughs> everything about everything great and really annoying about the Spanish team was seen in that game in the 90 minutes of that game. I felt like the first 45 fully in control, fully up a goal at the same time, just playing keep away with. Switzerland more than trying to get the second goal. That's what they do. Yeah, no one else can do it better. (laughs) Second second half comes. They're still doing the keep away thing. Very, very few, like, 
incisive passes or even runs necessarily being made. And as they are liable now to do, it feels like it fe- it's definitely has happened in the last two games, but it feels like it can happen at any point for them now. Um, once a game, something very weird happens in the back where <laughs> the last game it was Unai Simon just not take basically not taking a touch and letting the ball roll over his foot into his own goal and then in this one it's um i can't was it was it pal torres was it the two center backs? oh oh don't worry it was a combination was yeah we, we <laughs> right. go for the extravagant it was a combination of pal torres and and i'm rick laporte um i guess that's what you get for changing nationalities but um, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah he's it, not able to deal with the ball in their in their own box and it, and it falls to Shakiri eventually falls to Shakiri and just like that they're at one they one really you know I don't give enough credit to Tor- like Pau Pau Torres and Laporta for giving up a goal to a man that actually cannot finish a game that's ju- that's just impressive I I have to give them a massive shout out for screwing up that much yeah so those Albanians run at you we saw <laughs> we saw <laughs> We you saw got, it. You got the Swiss guys, uh, Sverovic, Zerdan, and uh, Shaka. Yeah, like totally from Bern, from, totally Genevan players. <laughs> no, I'm joking, man. But yeah, those guys <laughs> run at you, bro. The Iches, they fuck you up. Croatia, the same way. Modric, uh, not Karinic, uh, <laughs> all the other patties, each fuck's sakes. Like all those guys. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, Unai, by the way, I was talking to my Spanish friend about this. Why Unai Simon? Why Unai Simon? Why? You have Degay, you have the other guy, uh, Paul Pao Lopez in uh, in Roma. By the way, it's De Gea. I know that by the way, but, <laughs> um, but you have like good ass goalkeepers you can choose from, like literally all the time. And I don't know if Unai, I don't know Unai Simon well enough, but is he that guy? Like, is I don't, I kind of have my doubts on that guy. But oh, to be to be fair, to be fair, a lot of people do. Um, I think I think just to answer that quickly, like Luis Enrique very much chooses his team. This is something I've talked about, like on form and De Gea has not been in form for a while now, even though I think if you're comparing one-to-one stats to one-to-one, you know, overall play, I think you're probably making the comparison that De Gea is a better overall goalkeeper, but purely based on form in the last kind of year and a half, Unai Simone has absolutely stood out for Atletico Bound Spain. And this is something like Rian and I have definitely talked about over the last six months like who the hell are spain gonna choose for their goalkeeper and at some point i like i genuinely think luis enrique turned to his goalkeeping coaching squad and was like yeah flip a coin i don't like at this point i don't really care like it could it could be anybody <laughs> like it it doesn't really matter to me because we have other shit to deal with and who am i gonna pick in this midfield um yeah so i think i think honestly that was the least of their worries yeah it yeah, he, he, look, he ended up he ended up making the saves that he needed to make in the in the penalty, in the penalty kick. So, I I think I'll lay off him for now and just kind of patiently wait to see if he will do something <laughs> similar <laughs> in the semis. Yeah, he'll never to, hear the end of it if he does. Whether 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 that'll be uh, happen or not, but um, but I will say for um for the game now looking at to tomorrow. But uh, but Rian, let's let's focus a little bit in on who we actually think is going to take the semifinal tie, right? Spain, Italy on is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I think it's on Wednesday. They're, Tuesday. Nah, they're tomorrow. Yeah, we're Tuesday? recording this on Monday night. They are tomorrow. Okay, so so they are the first semifinal up on Tuesday. I actually, funny enough, had a meeting that was supposed to be three to four thirty. 
perfect timing for me that that got moved. So uh, I know what I'll be doing tomorrow from 3 to 4.30. Uh, FaceTiming Rion, screaming incessantly at my computer. Uh, oh, it'll be joyous. It'll be joyous. So anyway, all right. Who do we actually think is going to, to come out on top? Because I want to I talk about how we think Spain can get by Italy and Italy can get by Spain. Um, yeah. So, so Miguel, why don't we, why don't we start with you, right? Italy, let's talk a little bit about what you're, what you're scared of in the Spain team right now. I will say right now, what you're asking me is impossible because Scott Amancia, <laughs> luck, what we say now affects the players on the field and you should know this, you know? <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah. That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm worried here. I'm saying Spain is a team that can walk to the final, not walk. That's not true, but like they can run to the final and, in my opinion, it's really the team against England more than anything. And you'll, I, I know you guys will get to that normal, probably talk a shit ton. But, um, yeah, I would say, like, Italy's a team that can has been proven to be able to beat anybody, at, like, on their day. Uh, but Spain is fucking dangerous. And they have some – they have games that have, like, volume behind them. Like, Slovakia, they absolutely, like, walked. Um, they have some, some wins in the group stage that were, like, very convincing – um, and they've clearly, I mean, yeah, they established themselves against Switzerland and Switzerland was just like, whatever, like the team of the tournament for me, like almost like, holy fuck. Um, so you had a tough matchup uh, we played Belgium, tough matchup. Um, <laughs> I would say like, again, you know, like it's exactly what you said. I'm just going to repeat what you said. Like, I love, I love how hesitant you are to go yeah. and explain what you think because you know it's going to affect them tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> he was saying to me just like like five minutes before we started this segment, like, oh, I, I want to tout this the Spanish midfield. <laughs> and he's like, they're so good. It's so good. Like, I feel like Ellie's is being humble about them. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely trying because – like Miguel, I know, I know that this is going to have an impact tomorrow. I'm very, I'm very much conscious of that. Like that isn't going to change, but let me, I, I can give my take. I mean, on, on what I I'm expecting from this game and how I think it'll go. Let me be very honest and say that I think that Italy will win tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm fully on the record. Like I, I do not think Spain are going to make it to this final. I do Sounds think like a reverse jinx. No, 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 no. This is no, you'll know. If, no, reverse jinx is me texting you the Saturday night after the, uh, the Argentina game where Messi went off and scored a ridiculous free kick and had two assists. Um, and me explaining how insufferable I will be if Argentina win the Copa America. Like I will, I will be so insufferable. Rian will probably want to just stop recording altogether. But my point is this is not a reverse jinx. I genuinely think Italy are going to, to win this game two one. I think, a major reason behind that is Spain have a habit of not actually realizing that they are playing like a game. You, you know what I mean? Like they have a habit of playing the ball around in what seems like a nonsensical fashion. In reality, Lucho definitely has like some sort of plan and it's just not working as fast as he, like he wants to go with this direct football combination. But when you have players like Chiellini, like Bonucci, and you have extremely dynamic midfielders like Giorgino and Verratti, I think that that combination of dynamic players beats a Spanish midfield and whatever is left of Morata in almost any game. Like, I genuinely think the only area that I think Spain will be successful is if they're able to utilize the wings properly. And I don't think Spain have been able to do that this entire tournament other than when Jordi Alba had, I think, what probably was the best game of the tournament, last game against Switzerland. So 
I don't, I just don't see a game where Spain's midfield dominates in against Italy. I, I think that they're wonderfully talented. I will go to my deathbed saying that Pedri is, is could be one of the, the best players in the world in the next 10 years, but it's not about like this, this game is about a one-off and in a one-off I'm taking Italy and how versatile their team is against what I don't think has been an incredible Spain attacking performance, even though they've scored more goals than they scored during the 2008-2012 Euros. Like, I just don't, I, I don't see it happening for them against such a dynamic midfield. So that's my take. Genuine, that's my take. I'll, I'll pause for I, any I, questions. No, <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think you hit, kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, the wing play being so important to Spain. And I, I know that we've talked about this a bit, at least like no Ansu Fati in this team. No Ansu Fati. And like, that's huge. Hey, that is really huge. They, I, I, as, I, as well as I think uh, Ferran Torres has played for that, for uh, this tournament, there's like a little bit of, flair missing on like the wings for for uh spain and and it's pace the ability to beat your man it's it's yeah. really it, that's what it comes down to right what i think like to Miguel's point like the spanish midfield does a really good job of beating their their men by breaking lines and those passes that you cannot see that somehow they see that's what they're good at they're not good at running in behind there's no i'm not banking on coke scoring a, a header in this game it's just not gonna happen I, i'll put money on that but i'm I am more convinced that the Italian back line would be able to stop players like Danny Olmo, like Gerard Moreno, like Ferran Torres, because they don't have that kind of pace and tenacity that I think a player like Ansu Fati would have. So yeah, I, I fully agree. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that, that's a very, very valid point. Yeah. And we can see how we can see what a player like that can do to Italy because the best player for Belgium was Doku. Yep. Uh, yep. So, you know, Ansu Fati is a kind of player that can really mimic that and actually beat Doku for sure on any day. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Italy, like, I will say for the sake of luck, Scaramancia, I'm going to drink my wine. Uh, <laughs> Scaramancia means bad luck. So, congrats to Spain for the tournament. It's been a good tournament, it's been very fun. I hope you guys beat England. I really do. Uh, it would be who I'm cheering for more than anything. Um, and, you know, in, in Calabrese, I don't know where this wine is from, but in Calabria, coffee means something way worse. So, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm happy for Spain. They've, we've both gotten far as teams. Uh, we're both going to hopefully root for each other, whoever wins. Um, and obviously on the match, like no allies are made. We Verratti's going to come for shins. Bellotti's going to be aggressive. There will be yellow <laughs> cards. There will be a flurry of colors. Um, and I, it's what the most played game in the history of the sport for yeah, the last, the last four tournaments, I think they've played each other. Yep. So we kind of know the history behind it. And I don't know if the stat man, the numbers guy has uh, any, <laughs> any 80 percents here, but no, 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 no percents. I was just going to say what the, the results in the last, the last three times that they've met 2008, it was the nil nil and Spain won on penalties in round of 16. And then 2012, was obviously, you know, Italy makes that miracle run to the final and they, they end up losing 4-1 to, as Spain capped off, like being <laughs> like the best international side we've seen in at least since we've been alive, the three of us. So, uh, and then 2016 was Antonio Conte beating them 2-0 and that was in, in the round of 16. Too, so. Yeah, with, uh, with Jacket. Um, yeah, I was going to say that that 
Italy, by the way, this is a unique Italy because we finally don't have Giaccherini, Graziano Pelle, and Adder playing as our triangle. <laughs> so those are names I really genuinely forgot until you said that. <laughs> oh, I genuinely oh, forgot. Oh, I have for the last millennia, guy. <laughs> like, Italy has shown up to tournaments with fucking Simone Barone. Like we're talking guys here from Palermo, from playing in their mother's house in Vicenza. Like, <laughs> but. Uh, but we fucking put a team together. Mancini's good at selection. I think Spain lacks in selection often with a lot of tournaments. They have so much players to choose from. That's why I say that. The only reason I would ever say Spain lacks, like, oh, who you choose to be your starting 11 is because I watched the Serie A, and I was telling Rian earlier, like, the players, the Spanish players in the Serie A are fucking gas. They're so good. And none of them are up. None of them are playing. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I guess Daniel and Gerard Moreno are fucking dirty, like Pedri. Like, I don't know these players. And I see them play, like, whatever, Slovakia, Croatia, t- actually tough teams, actually. But you, what you were saying is true. Like, you really don't know who will show up. And I think it's that lack of history that also gives me, like, such gleeful optimism where I'm like, yeah, Emerson is, like, whatever, the kind of player he is. But we maybe won't have to defend that flank as difficult. Like, you know, maybe we'll be the ones with the ball. I don't know. I need to see tomorrow. Uh, a lot contingents on who we play number nine, who's the holding striker. Uh, Immobile is a good holding striker, not a good goal scoring striker for Italy. So, uh, who's going to get the goals? Really? Who's going to get Kiesa? Kiesa's going to score two goals at least. So, come <laughs> at like, come at Italy. Strong, eh? Danioma, whoever you want, throw them at us because Kiesa's scoring. <laughs> I'm so excited for this game. Oh, no idea. Wow. <laughs> that really amped me up. Wow. Um, well, I think just for my prediction for scoreline, I've I want to lean Italy too, though. I would, that's that's no goals for Spain. And Interesting. I, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, so much is going to hinge on what happens down the left side of of Spain. Mm-hmm. So the right, defensively, the right side for Italy. Everything has been coming through. <laughs> pass it to Busquets. Busquets passes it to Pedri, <laughs> and he passes it to Jordi Alba, who's making the run in behind, and that's where all of the runs are coming from. And that's. Jordi Alba is like fifth in like key passes and he's first in the competition in terms of passes into the penalty box that are completed like everything is coming from him everything is is coming from that left side in general is because like Pedri and and Jordi Alba just have the connection because they, they play together obviously but yeah. but um that's that's what's going to be the most important thing I think for Italy to be able to stop Spain from scoring tomorrow that's I think spot on Spot on, hundred percent. So, congratulations to Italy, man, for uh, for making it through to, to the Euro Euro twenty twenty final. Hate that we're still calling it Euro twenty twenty, even in the first place. But hey, congrats to Italy for apparently making it through. But no, I think I think with that, I'm I'm very excited. This is this is I think the 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 game of the tournament for me. I mean, I'm really really excited for this game. Just like technically to watch what happens, like how these managers, arguably the two best managers, probably left in the tournament. Well, even in overall in the tournament, because um, we are yeah. not counting our blessings that you know De Boer is still around. So <laughs> we've got we've got these two left uh, to really to pull it up from the back. So anyway. I think I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to get through for uh, for Italy, Spain. Um, Miguel, thank you so much, man, for coming on the podcast. Love the takes, love the the Italian side. I for sure would love to have you on right after the the final. Just like, uh, yeah. just, I will personally call you, and <laughs> and you can you can rant to me for however long you want, regardless of regardless of what happens. I'm I'm excited, man. So, 
Dude, thanks uh thanks so much for coming on and i i can only imagine that the england portion of this podcast is going to be worse for my mental health so here we go and do that all right ladies and gentlemen after a riveting spain italy debauchery type review i don't even know what's called it was amazing um we're going to be moving on to talk about the second second game that of the semifinals that is just partially pissing me off. Obviously, England, Denmark, two teams that have had incredible runs so far, genuinely incredible runs in this tournament. Not to say that they're underrated, overrated, or anything like that. I think they've just been very impressive teams. Of course, that means we have to bring on another guest. We're introducing our second guest of the day, Alex Norman. Norman, man, thanks for coming on to uh, obviously talk about England and just shit all over my my call out of this team from like a week ago. Um, I very publicly stated that England would not get this far. I also publicly stated that I do not think that they are uh, a worthy team of being this far in the tournament. Um, that has all been horribly misproven. So my my sincerest apologies to the Queen and Her Majesty. That was big from you, Alex. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I did I it could... before I got to... <laughs> oh, oh it, so. I'm I'm protecting myself and saving some face before before you can do anything to me. Yeah, I'm I'm making sure that I'm protected. So Norman, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. So it's always good to talk about England, um, especially when it's going this well. And uh yeah, you know, it's nice to hear your apologies. You know, a lot of people <laughs> doubted us, you know, yourself, most of the UK media. So it's uh, <laughs> good to see us actually performing well and you know looking very strong really yeah yeah i mean a a very like very dominant performance against ukraine like uh, there was no point where i thought that ukraine were going to win this game unfortunately like that after they went up one nil you know early on in the first half i texted rian that uh just a subtle reminder (laughs) yeah (laughs) that england also went one up against iceland uh a couple years ago that very directly led to karma because uh, obviously we know the results of that game but yeah i mean rian why don't we start with just the the england side of things like let's start with everything from our reactions here from the lineup right because we talked a little bit about how southgate coming out of the gate with a 3-4-3 in the previous game probably was not his gala 11 right probably not his his best 11 or best formation thoughts when you saw this like what was where was your head at Oh, I, I think I tweeted this, but I my first thought was FIFA Ultimate Team because <laughs> Jaden Sancho, who did hasn't gotten a single start before the Ukraine game and got his like seven minutes of garbage time, uh, weirdly like against Scotland, I think it was, not less than forty eight hours since it was confirmed that he would be going to Manchester United, was thrown into the starting eleven um, when he probably should have been in at least one of the other the other games uh, at least one of the group stage games maybe he would have deserved a start but it was um it was exciting honestly to see the to see the lineup and to see oh what is this gonna look like with you know who knows if that's still like the best front three for them because like I'm sure there's some people who would like to see Grealish and still people who might like to see Grealish in the Sterling spot or Grealish in for Mason Mount or whatever it might be, but 
what seeing Jaden Sancho brought was just like excitement, honestly. And I, I don't know, Alex, did you have the same, the same thoughts, the same feelings, emotions when you saw it? Yeah, I was pretty happy with the lineup choice. I'm glad we went back to the 4-3-3 versus the wingbacks that we played against Germany. It's definitely more uh, assertive. It's more attacking, um, which I was happy to see. It was good to see Jaden Sancho getting played. Um, I think the biggest thing that Southgate's doing is he's just resting and rotating this team, and he's doing that so well. Um, like you look back at that World Cup and against Croatia, everyone was expecting, you know, Croatia have gone to extra time twice. Like they're probably going to be pretty tired by the time they come up against England. And you watch that game, and by the end of the by the end of the extra time, England could hardly stand up. And that's when you know Croatia really asserts themselves. And I think Southgate throughout this whole time being the England manager has seen this and learned from it. And you're seeing it with you know Sancho playing this game, Grealish not coming on, uh, Jordan Henderson who you know was the uh, captain of a Champions League winning team is getting 20 minutes on at the end of a game that was pretty much won at that point. Um, got himself a goal, which is great. But, you know, just... And the difference between, I think, just resting players and rotating them is Jordan Henderson has now played 20 minutes at the Euros. He's got out any... Not that I think he has any, but he's got out any nerves that he might have. And if he's called upon in the semis or you know, if we get there the final, I think it's not going to be them just coming out having not played at all this tournament. You know, like everyone has had some match experience, which I think is a really beneficial thing for your squad to all have, you know, at least tasted what it's like to play um, and for the most part play in front of that Wembley crowd. So I think that's also something that he's done very, very well this tournament. Yeah, I actually... I... I love that kind of that concept of just the tournament, because if you're a huge squad and a really good team as England are, and you expect yourself to be playing what fives, at least for the same minimum of five games, right? Like you do have to be pretty adept in thinking more on the long term with the team. And Southgate has done that obviously in, in your sense of talking about like Sancho and, and Henderson, and I guess we even saw like Harry Maguire was able to rest the first game or two because Ty- he had the trust in Tyrone Mings to step in and the back line to not kind of miss a beat there. I, even the other side of that, which is like Raheem Sterling, where he's kept with him the entire time and hasn't wavered on any of the confidence that he's had in, in Sterling, um, especially while people were, I think, for some good reasons, asking why he was starting over a guy like Jack Grealish and Phil Foden when you look at how their seasons went. Um, Sterling had a tough second half of the season with City, like a very tough second half. Like we talked about how surprising it was that he was starting in the Champions League final. Like, he's gone from that to now being like the most influential attacker on on England's team for this first five games. And I think I got to give a lot of credit to Southgate for just his man management style. Like he's obviously learned something from from 2018, and that's very yeah. impressive. I think you can even say that about Jordan Pickford. I think we've all watched him in an Everton jersey be, you know, a liability at times during the Premier League season. And then as soon as he puts on that England shirt, I don't know what clicks in him. I mean, he did have that nice slice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just just added to the drama. But other than that, you know, he's been getting them out during that yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but. Other than that, he's been solid and 
even Harry Kane, everyone's looked at him and thought, God, he looks tired, looks leggy. Why is he not being rested? But I'm sure Southgate's had the conversation with him and uh, Kane's probably said, you know, look, I know myself. I know I've just got to play back into form because Harry Kane's that good of a striker that eventually he will start scoring goals again. And so I think, you know, Southgate having the trust in him and having the trust that the rest of the team can carry that load while Kane might not be that leading man. And then, you know, he got his goal um, against Ukraine and now he's been rested. Dominic Calvert-Lewin came on and, you know, hopefully he'll kick on for the rest of the rest of the tournament. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, I, I will say <laughs> Sterling being a standout in the tournament for England is not only good for England, but also good for him and good for his family <laughs> at this point because UK media is ruthless <laughs> with him. And I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to even devolve into that sort of debauchery. But um, I, I think, Rian, to your point, like this is one of the more impressive things about Southgate is that he has a squad, just for context, right? You had players like Jude Bellingham, you had Phil Foden, you had Marcus Rashford, you had Kieran Trippier. Like, all of these players are on the bench. Granted, I think three out of the four names that I just mentioned um, came on in the Ukraine game in the, off the bench. But to your, to your point, he's had to manage a very deep squad with a lot of <clears throat> like Champions League caliber players, like world-class players. And he has seemingly started to find the right, I would say, I don't want to call them like ingredients, but like basically the right formula for this team, right? And what I think was really interesting about this Ukraine game was how involved Jaden Sancho was. I... I think in the beginning parts, first 15 minutes, he really didn't spend that much time on the ball. But towards the second half, or you know, into the second half, we really, really started to see Jaden Sancho grow into this game. And to see what I will hope Southgate to be in sticking with Jaden Sancho would be, I think, a testament to how well players like him have come into this team, come into the squad, and kind of rejuvenated them, right? beyond where they where they were in 2018 it, it's that level of player that they've needed so um I, I'm curious Norman like what you think it, it, do you think that this is the best England 11 that we saw against Ukraine that will that will come up against Denmark in in the semifinal or is there a different team that you would field um I think it's a very tough question like you said the team is so is so deep um and there's so many different players you could play. Like you look at someone, for example, like Phil Foden, who had some of the best uh, football of his career towards the latter half of uh, this season for Manchester City. So it's going to be tough. But I, I liked the 11 that we started with uh, against Ukraine. I think against Denmark, we'll keep with that 4-3-3 formation. Um, I think that may change if we make it to the final against you know Italy or... Uh, Italy or Spain, you know, similar to the Germany setup, but I don't know who I would change in the lineup versus Ukraine. And albeit Ukraine, all respect to them, are not the toughest op- um, opposition we're going to face, but you know, everyone out there had an absolutely great game. So I just can't. I, I would be happy if we started it. And, you know, if, for example, Sancho was to be replaced with Foden, um, I wouldn't be too disappointed with that. Maybe you even start Grealish, although he, him coming off the bench has shown to be a pretty great, um, great impact on the game. Uh, so, you know, I 
I, I have a lot of uh, faith in Southgate, so I uh, think he'll do the right thing. Yeah, it it does feel like it's hard to it's hard to pin down what the best eleven is because the team's so deep, obviously, and hard to say whether it matters that we ever get to see what might be the best 11 too because the players are so good and depending on what the task is we've seen Southgate rotate and change the team for what whatever fits on the day right and when we look ahead to Denmark like they've the way they've played has been pretty fluid too sometimes like sometimes they start with three at the back and then they have in the last couple of games like moved Christensen into the holding mid spot and then changed to the back four um in the middle of the game as they did like against Wales. So it it would be it will be very interesting to see how fluid the lineup is for, for England going to that game and whether we see whether we see Calvert Lewin or not Calvert Lewin, sorry, um Calvin Phillips and um Declan Rice sit back more. Or, yeah, assuming that those two are the double pivot again, which I, I would expect, um, whether we see them sit back more or whether we see Calvin Phillips venture forward more as we've seen in some in a few of their games, too. So I, I still love the option of bringing Grealish off the bench, too, even, even though uh, even if I might think he is technically the most talented guy that they could throw out at the left, the left uh, wing. But, yeah, his his ability just kind of as I said, just play the game so improvised, so like off the so cuff, so like just like jazz, it's just jazz. <laughs> yeah, it's like... yeah, I I could see that. Um, I definitely don't think you can switch out from Rice and Calvin Phillips. I think that has really been a great anchor to the team so far. Um, and yeah, you know, it's. I think what we'll see is probably in that first half, depending on how the game goes. Um, Rice and Phillips will sit back a little bit more. Southgate will want to, you know, be solid defensively first, similar to how we saw him earlier in the tournament. And I think if, you know, goes into halftime, nil-nil, maybe if we've gone one-nil up, you know, knock on wood. Um, in that second half, he might say, you know, look, let's be a little bit more free-flowing. Let's try and move the ball a little more. It's a little bit more direct and assertive. And I think that's when Grealish can come into it as well. So I think similar to the man management, I think Southgate also does great with the game management as well better than we've seen other English managers do in the past yeah yeah very true I'm I'm kind of one of the last questions that I had for you was just around how you see the semi-final playing out now right we talked a little bit about how you know Gareth Southgate has approached these games so far right in in the quarterfinals and and obviously the knockout rounds in general is very fluid with his his game changes and it's something I really respect but how do you kind of see England coming out against Denmark. How do you see even Denmark kind of approaching the game? I'm I'm curious what you what you think we're about to see on on Wednesday. Uh, I think if you had to compare England's performances so far in the tournament, it will probably be a hybrid between the the defensive solidity that we had against Germany in that first half, and maybe slightly more free flowing that we had against uh, the Czech Republic in that uh, group stage game. Um, I think that, you know, like I said, probably be a little bit more cautious in the first half, um, just kind of scope Denmark out. I know, Rion, you said that Denmark can also be fluid in their uh, game management, but I think Southgate's going to really 
look into it. And then I think you'll see in the second half, the team start to be a little bit more um, assertive and try and really push the game uh, towards Denmark. Denmark, for their part, I can see them sitting back and trying to hit on the break. Um, I don't see them really dominating the game. Um, I think it's going to be them going to be more on the counter-attacking side. But I think it's probably going to be an edgy first half and then you know the game's going to really open up in the second. And I think I'll also be very interested to see if England go behind um, first because we haven't seen that all tournament, haven't conceded all tournaments. So that would be you know something that we would have to uh, watch for the first time and Southgate would have to react in real time. Um, so I think that could be a very interesting concept, but assuming that doesn't happen, uh, that's kind of how I see the game going. I, I have a quick question for you guys that will probably really shape how I predict this game going. So crowdsourcing here, who are we expecting to see at right back for, for England? This point? Cause it feels like every game, has been it's, it's someone changed, different, <laughs> right? We saw Kyle Walker play right back there on uh, Saturday. And I think if we had to be to nitpick any one of the players from that game, I think he probably had the worst day of, of the full 11. Um, he had, I think we, when we were in the bar, um, I was watching this with Alex. I think someone we were with was saying uh, how they didn't trust, <laughs> didn't trust um, Kyle Walker's back pass and not, a minute later, he passes it back and immediately starts a Ukraine attack. Alex, I can't remember if it was you or not, but that's that's where that's my one like concern now is like who's playing at right back now, and I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on who's going to play there. I I mean, I I'm of the opinion I, I I have two different answers. I think there's a player that should play, and I think there's a player that will play. I think the player that will play. It's probably who we've seen so far, and that's Kyle Walker. I, I don't see that changing. I do think I, I am personally a very big fan of Kieran Trippier. I, I always have been. Rian, you know this. I think he's had an incredible season at Atletico. I think Kieran Trippier should be the starting right back, more so because I think Reese James is probably what you would call right sided center back at this point. And I don't know if that's necessarily what England need to change around. So Kieran Trippier would be my pick but i i still think kyle walker is, has that position to himself so norman maybe you feel differently but that's my pick uh i definitely think it's between those two guys but i think we'll see consistency and it'll be kyle walker yeah yeah that makes that makes sense all right i i'm i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna say two one england for this one and you've loved uh, I love Denmark. I love Denmark. Yeah, I I think maybe I'm slightly concerned from that Czech Republic game, and I can't tell how much of it had to do with um, the temperature and playing in Baku. But both teams looked pretty tired, and Denmark looked very tired the second half. So they could just kind of run out of steam here. But I think it's just going to ultimately be a little too much um, for for Denmark center backs to handle. To say. All right. Well. Rihanna, you've made your prediction. Um, I don't think I've made mine. Norman, as the resident England expert, we've, we can talk all day about how England are probably a superior team, have had an incredible tournament, or absolutely the stacked side. What's your score prediction? Uh, 
you know, something about this England team has turned me into an optimist. Uh, not sure if it's going to come back to bite me, but I'm going to go with uh, 3-1 to England. 3-1. That, that is a formidable score. I'm trying to find the right word. <laughs> definitely, definitely flatters England. Um, I Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way, for the record. Um, I don't. I don't know if I see England scoring three against Denmark. I do, however, see Denmark scoring against England. I think this is where the dam potentially breaks. And to your point earlier, I'm really curious to see if England concede first. Because if they concede first, I think that's a completely new pasture for them. I think that they do have the, the talent, the skill set to overcome that. But if do they have the kind of like the mindset, right, to to shift from being you know, a little more wary of where they are, right? Because they've, they've never been behind this entire tournament. And that's just, that's different. I do, unfortunately, uh, think England go through to the final. Um, I think it's it's 3-2 to, to England. I do think Denmark have absolutely the, the skill sets to score against this England side. I think there are a lot of goals in this. I did think, to be fair, there were a lot of goals in the Italy-Belgium game. And by the end of that half, I, I did. I mean, we still had a whole half to go, so... I'm still still claiming that as a proper prediction. But anyway, long story short, 3-2 to England. I think we see Italy and England in uh, what will be an entertaining final, say the absolute least. So I, I think that's unbiased, right, Ron? Yeah, that's that's pretty objective. We, we, we hope that would be a um, an entertaining final. That's the hope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, uh, I, I love it how none of us – saying penalties either because i i have a you nagging think, you feeling. think this I, hope it, I hope it doesn't i hope it doesn't i truly <laughs> hope it does not it's mostly for alex's sake yeah i don't for, for I, Rizzo, yeah. like <laughs> I, I i hope yeah, it doesn't i don't need penalties <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i don't think well we all know England's record with penalties, so I'll leave it at hey, that. Hey, they broke the duck. They broke the duck in 2018. It's all... <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Yeah, and then they ended up in the final... Of... Oh, wait. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, I think we've all given our predictions. I think it's out there now, somewhere in the world, wherever this podcast is being listened to. So, with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for listening. We will be back after the semifinals for both the Euros and the Copa America are wrapped up on Wednesday. We'll, uh, we'll record, give you our fresh thoughts, and uh, and let you know what's coming these finals. But with that, Norman, thanks so much for jumping on, man. As always, pleasure. And uh, we will be talking to everyone soon. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys.